Good morning. I just want to apologize ahead of time because it is the season of Vicks and Halls, if you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, I'll wake up one day and I'll feel great, and the next day I'll feel just like this, and it just goes back and forth, back and forth, and so I don't know what to do other than just pray and, uh, and hope you guys can just endure me today. Uh, earlier while I was talking, I had to just continually cough, so hopefully that won't happen. Uh, but hey, I hope you had a great Christmas, uh, and how many are ready for a brand new year? I always love the beginning of the new year, because you're like, you know what, uh, I've messed up so many times, even though I told myself in 2022 I'll not do that again, somehow I figured out how to do that again in 2023, but the great news is, is 2024 is here now, and you get to perfect what you did in last year, Right? Hopefully that's, that's the case. Uh, I know I've enjoyed the Christmas season. I always tell my girls, we talk about this all the time, is that Christmas is that time of the year where the world wants to be like what Christians are all the time, or should be all the time, right? The spirit of love and joy and peace, uh, and yet they don't want to be nothing like us at all. They just want to borrow our holiday, I guess you would say. And so I, I love that time. Uh, because it's a time we really get to reflect and have devotion, but it's also a time of new beginnings. If they would just learn that about the Christian faith, their life would be so much better. But today, uh, I want to talk to you, and uh, I'm going to just kind of keep it simple. Honestly, my heart is on the next 10 weeks. In fact, it's the whole next year. Uh, This year, I am excited about what the Lord has put on my heart all year long. And I could probably articulate all of it right now, but I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because I'm just that guy, right? I don't, I, I don't want to tell you the surprise before it gets here. And so this year is going to be a great year. But I also know that 2024 is possibly going to be a very difficult year. Uh, it could be a very uh, trying time uh, of year for the, for the church. We don't know, but we know that There's some business that the Lord has with his church. He has to uh, get us ready for, I believe, an imminent return uh, for his bride. And he cannot come with a bride that is with spot or wrinkle. And so I am expecting him to do what a righteous, holy judge does, and that's to clean the house up a little bit. Uh, If there's any, um, if history teaches us anything, this is a presidential year. And we know what the last presidential year looked like. It was not the greatest thing. We had a worldwide pandemic. Uh, we had California fires that doubled their record of um, uh, over 4 million acres, I think. We had, a, we had a, an economic um, downfall, um, almost a collapse. And uh, we have political divisions that, that split everywhere. Um, and then um, probably most importantly, the church. And I think for me, when I look back at 2020, what I see uh, that was probably the most disappointing was that the church got weak and then she got divided. And I'm praying, Lord, don't let that happen this year. Don't let remind us at the end of the day, regardless of our preferences outside the Word of God, because everything outside the Word of God is a preference, remind us of the truth that bind us. Remind us of the truth that we adhere to. There's only, listen, there's only one book. There's only one book. And no other book matters. Now, it may help you understand this book, but at the end of the day, if the, if the Bible says Scott is a worm, guess what? 
make my bed in the soil. You, you see what I'm saying? That's who I am. Because it makes no difference what we think on the outside of the word. The word matters the most. And so I'm leaning into this word. I'm leaning into his truth. And I, and I, I want to be ready for when um, the Lord comes back. And I want our church to be ready. I want your family to be ready. I want your marriage. I want you to be ready. And not just making it. In, in case you don't know, um, when we get to heaven... There's also another time where you and I will be inspected for what we've done for our works. So it's not just that you got into heaven. You're also going to be determined on how well you were working down here on earth as to what kind of rewards you get. And I don't know about Maybe you're okay. Bless God. If I could just sweep the streets of gold in heaven, I'd be okay with that. But I believe God has more for you, and I want more for you. And so I want to live in a way that pleases him. I would say this. Looking at 2024, I wholeheartedly believe that in five to six years from now, God is going to be doing something great in our lives, in our homes, and because of that, in our church. I really believe that. And I think that going down the road, a few years down the road, we'll look back and say, you know what, I believe it started in 2024. And so I, this year for me, I, I'm so excited about because I believe that the Lord is going to begin something new in us, something great in us. And uh, it's, just, it's just the basis of who we are becoming and then what we're about to do. And so as we get into the year, we'll start to see that more and more. So pray with me today, and then we'll jump into this message. Father in heaven, we love you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open our hearts and our eyes and our minds Lord, to receive all that you have to say. Father, most importantly, I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, just speaks some things very succinctly and very concretely, Father, into people's lives. Uh, Lord, as I do my best, Lord, to convey your word, Lord, I know that you specialize in specializing the message for each and every one of us here. And so I pray, Lord, will you just help us to remove all of the other things in our mind. Lord, let us focus on what you have to say. Tune us in to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I pray you would speak truth to us for this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we cross over into 2024, uh, I see a parallel I want us to, to look at Israel. There's so many things you can look at in terms of leaving and, and entering, and there's so many things you can say. Uh, and so as I begin to think about what does that look like for us as we cross over into 2024, leaving 2023, and and my mind just took me straight to uh, right before Israel walked into the promised land. And, and I've heard so many different um, uh, messages and, um, uh, I guess, metaphors and analogies to how to, to convey that. But as I just read that, just because I had to read it to check it off my list before I went somewhere else to study. But when I read it, something just hit me so profoundly. And I thought, oh, that's it. As simple as that is. That's it, because it makes no difference how well you and I walk into a, a new year or how well we exit an old year or how ready we are for something new, something fresh. It makes no difference if we're not walking in with a right heart, a right way. There can be dangers and there can be peril. It makes no difference. But what matters is, is where does your heart lie right now? As you walk into a new season, I, I hope God is bringing you into a new season, but he may not. This may be an extension of another season. 
But if he is bringing you into something new, even if he's keeping you in a season that you're in right now, I can tell you that there is something that he is requiring of you and something he is desiring of you. And he shows us right here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Turn with me there if you would, if you mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. It says this, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord, your God, commanded me to teach. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, where am I at? Here I am. <clears throat> that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Right before Israel is about to cross over, the Lord is dealing with something that's so important. This is significant. Before he gets into any of the things that he addresses, he, he, he has to deal with this one issue, that before you cross over, I got to talk to you about your heart. More importantly, I got to talk to you about your devotion. And so when the Lord is, is longing to bless Israel, he wants to do that. He, he wants to multiply them. He wants them to have plenty. He wants them to experience the peace and the prosperity that comes with the favor of God. He wants those things for them just as he wants those things for you. But the Lord knows that the land possesses um, uh, dangers too great for them to handle. And so notice the Lord is not so much concerned with that. He knows that there's going to be walled cities as high as Jericho. He knows there's going to be giants that are too tall and too strong. He knows that there's going to be too many beasts in the land that will overrun them. He knows of all the dangers. But notice this, is that God is not concerned on the dangers that surround his people, but upon the devotion residing within them. Listen to me, he's not concerned with the dangers He's concerned with the devotion. He's not concerned with the external things. He's concerned with the internal things. And so many times, you and I, we'll, we'll, we get to thinking and problem solving about all the things that are external as if the internal is already good to go, when really we know it's probably not. We know it can be better. And so notice what Scripture said, or notice what Scripture did not say. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Be careful of those great walled cities, the giants of great strength, the abundance of beasts which took, looked to overrun you. It, it had nothing to do with that. His concern is on his people. And I, and I want you to hear this is because anytime the Lord takes you into a blessing, there are always challenges. There's always, a, there's always an enemy to fight. There's always a problem to tackle. Because the Lord is in the business of taking away from the unrighteous and giving it to the righteous. He's always in that business. He's always about the enemy building your, your vineyards. He's always in the business of the enemy allowing him to build your houses. And that's what he says down there later on in, in chapter 6. He says, I'm giving you things that you didn't work for, that you didn't ask for, and you didn't earn. But I'm giving it to you not because you deserved it, but because I am the Lord God and I am good that way. I punish the unrighteous and I reward the righteous. 
And so here are some problems that the, the Lord knows before they enter the land. He knows he needs to address. From chapters 6 all the way down through chapters 13, the Lord addresses the real threats. Here's the real threats. He says, I know you're going to be worshiping other gods. I know you're going to be engaged in an idolatry. You're going to be looking for other people to meet your needs other than me. You're going to be practicing pagan rituals and sexual immorality and other statutes that I didn't command and other commandments that I didn't give to you. You're going to be obeying those things, and I would advise you to not do that. You're also going to be uh, tempted with loving wealth and possessions, a desire to find acceptance in the nations around you, alliances and partnerships with nations to seek security for your own political rest and not depending upon me. I know, Israel, what's tempting you. Because I also know this. I also know that you're, that you're a people who love comfort and ease. And you're going to be tempted to exchange your convictions for your comforts. And so, church, as we approach the borders of 2024, the Lord is, is not concerned with the dangers or the perils that, that may come upon us. The difficulties or the challenges that we might have that we don't know. He's not concerned with who the next president will be. He's not concerned with that. I love going back and looking at the Old Testament and see how the Lord, kings rise and kings fall. The Lord has never moved. He always has a plan. And his plan is just is incredible when you see the fullness of it. Sometimes you and I, we can't understand that because we're just living in the moment of difficulty right now. But he is not concerned with who the next president will be. We are. We're concerned with that. I am. Uh, but he's not concerned. He's not concerned with the potential worldwide economic collapse. He's not concerned with that. He's not concerned with the Great Reset. He's not concerned with the loss of religious freedoms in our country. We are, but he's not concerned with that. He's not concerned with the failed immigration system. He's not concerned with that either. He's not concerned with the redefining of moral and ethical fabric of our country. Can I tell you what he's concerned with? He's concerned with the hearts of those who claim to be devoted to him. That's what he cares about. He's not worried about dangers. He's worried about devotion. So can I ask you a question I'm asking myself? Are you more worried about the external? Are you more concerned about the external? Do you study more, read more, and think more, and contemplate more about the external than you do the internal? Because if you do, then maybe like me, you have a need to control your world to bring a false sense of security. When really, if we'll just embrace the peace that surpasses the understanding of how we're going to deal with these issues and rely and, and, and lean into the Lord, then there is no need for us to fret. There's no need for us to worry. God is not concerned over the dangers, but he's always concerned with the devotion. He wants to know, are we putting our hopes in a presidential candidate or a preeminent Christ? Where is our strength at? Are we going to compromise our convictions as a church so that if we face less persecutions at work or at home or wherever the case might be, we measure success in the things that we earn, the things that we possess, and the relationships that validate us, or will we seek practices and embrace politics that compromise our way of life just so we'll have a bit more of a sense of safety and security? Because if we are, we're leaning into the external. We're caring about the things the Lord is not caring about. 
He says, where is your heart? And here's our response. Our response is in, in verse 4 and 5. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Boom. That's the response right there. What I want you to see, though, is that if, if you talk to a Jew, he would tell you this is one of the most important verses. They probably would say the most important verses in all Scripture. Because this is what they call the Shema. This is, this is the fundamental belief of Jewish faith. They, they repeat this twice a day. This is an important way of life for them. You'll hear this say over and over and over again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And so as, as we say this, there is a powerful thing that's being, um, uh, being demonstrated here. I, I, just as you've heard me say in times past that we, we, our example is our expectation, this is true here. The Lord's example is, our expect, is his expectation for us as a people. Because why does, why does the Lord need to say he, he is one? He's trying to tell us two things. One I know for sure. One of them I'm just going to guess and say this is probably the heart of God. First off, if you can imagine being an ancient Hebrew about to cross over into a land uh, that you're about to possess, people you don't know, gods are there, and as you're an ancient Hebrew and you're going over in there, you must understand you've been delivered from a polytheistic culture, a mini-gods culture. And so you're familiar with that type of lifestyle. You're familiar with a culture that embraces many gods, not one god. You're from, you just pass through lands of people who serve gods over the harvest of rain, fertility, and those types of things. And so you're very acclimated to the fact that God has more than one nature, more than one image, this plurality of things. And the Lord is saying, I am not those things. I am not Baal. I am not Ashtoreth. I am not... Uh, Molech and Kamash. I'm not those things. You can't make me in an image, which is the reason why I gave you the commandment to not bow down to any graven image because my image is not more than one thing. I, I only am one thing. My nature is only one thing. Yes, he is three persons, but the Lord our God is one. We don't have time to get into the Trinity today, but what I want you to know is that he is telling his people that I am one. I am a God of one. Don't serve anything other than me. Anything you create, anything you find, anything you discover is not me. It's not a form of me. There's only one me. I alone am unique. I am alone and one. And then he says, that is an example for you to understand because that one simply means he is a compounded one. He is not solely just one. One, but he is a one derived of more than just one thing. When we look at the word one, it's in the Hebrew it's called ehad. And we see it three different ways in Scripture that tell us what kind of oneness the Lord is talking about. And it's important for us to understand this. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. He uses this word to, to describe the first day. The word first is one day, ehad. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the what? First day. You see what I'm saying? First day. Morning, even first day. Morning had a function. It had an identity. It was separate from evening, which had an identity and a function, but they were both the first day. Two separate things making up one. When we look at two very separate things making up one that operate independent, we also see that, and the two that become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and his, 
hold, uh, fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, one flesh. Two very different individuals, right? They have different functions, different responsibilities, right? But at the end of the day, they are still one flesh. And lastly, we see this word he had being used in Ezekiel. He says in 37, 16 through 17, he says, Son of man, take a stick and write on it. For Judah and the people of Israel associated with him, then take another stick and write on it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another into one stick he had, that they may become one in your hand. And this is, the Lord is symbolizing the two nations that were divided under Rehoboam's reign, uh, divided and bringing them back together to make one. So what are, we, what are we saying here? What does this tell us? Simply as God is saying this, is that I am a compound unity. That all of me, there are different aspects of me. There are different, there are different um, uh, attributes and characteristics of me. And persons, obviously we don't know the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, I am one. And most importantly, what you need to understand is that you serve a God who does not separate the truth from his action. He doesn't separate love from his truth. He doesn't separate those things in his, his life. He is altogether one. So if he is one in his love towards you, he is also one in his actions towards you, his thoughts towards you. If he acts in love towards you, he is also acted in righteousness and holiness and judgment. All of who God is does all of what God does. He is singular in this way. And so what is he saying? He is saying, because I am one, I am multifaceted, but I am one towards you. Not one part of me is ever separated or compartmentalized when I act towards you. And that is significant because that's what he's asking of you and me. That when you respond to me, that you respond to me by loving me with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. And you see what I'm saying? All, all, all aspects of you. And sometimes we, we, we want to say, yeah, we, 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 we do that. But do, but do we do that? Do we do that? How important is that for us today? There is a, a passage in Scripture, Mark chapter 12. And there's a scribe that comes along, and they ask Jesus. Now, if, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but you have the Ten Commandments that was given by Moses, and then you have the other 613 statutes and ordinances that was given to govern everyday life. And those 613 statutes were really just a reflection of the Ten Commandments. But there are a lot of things to memorize. As a Jew, you had to know those things and operate in those things for you to operate in an act of righteousness, a, faith, um, uh, a way of righteousness. And so, and so the scribe comes to Jesus and says, that's a lot for us to memorize. Tell me, what's the most important one? What's the one I need to hang on to, teacher? And so Jesus responds uh, in Mark 12. I'll skip on down a couple of verses here. And Jesus answers and says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no other commandment greater than these. 
And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbors as oneself and highlight this. I'm not going to preach this today, but we will come back to this eventually. It's all of that is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Because Jesus, he, he comes with it. And so, what does that mean for you and I today? That before we step over and we cross over into a land, into a season, into a year, the Lord says, don't be concerned with anything else than one thing. That your devotion is one. That your devotion is united. Don't be undivided in your devotion towards me. You let me take care of the things I take care of. But the one thing that I have entrusted to you is that you will walk in obedience and walk in fear and walk in love for your God. And that is all the internal things. And the Lord will take care of provision. The Lord will take care of protection. The Lord will take care of the promises for you. He'll take care of those things for you. But your job is to make sure that you are united, that you're all of who you are, that your mind is not separated from your heart, that your strength is not separated from your soul, that your love for one another is not separated from your love for him. Because it's real easy for you and I to love God with our heart, but think on other things that don't love him true? The psalmist says, Lord, turn my eyes away from all worthless things that I may find life in your ways. Man, I, I, want my, I want my heart and I want my mind to be in, in one accord. I, I, I want my strength and I want my mind to be in one accord. That means I don't want to just know I love God. But my might, my strength, my body, I should, my serve should match my, my devotion. I shouldn't just say I love God. If I look around at what my hands are accomplishing, do they agree? Do y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? Is your devotion one? Because the Lord, your God, is saying, I am a God. I am one. Yes, there are different aspects to who I am, but all of who I am always does all of what I do. I'm asking the same from you. And I'll take care of the land. I'll take care of the giants. I'll take care of the walls you'll never bring down in your life. But if you'll just focus on having one devotion, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'll take care of it. Is the oneness of our devotion visible in the oneness of our church? Do we match up? Does our heart, I would say that generally, if you look at the church as a whole, you know, what, what's, the, what's the term? Uh, what goes down in the, the well comes up in the bucket. Is that what it says, Randy? It's an old saying. You know that, right? No, you don't know. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? The scripture says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so if that's true, if we really have oneness, if our devotion is united, then it's easy for us to walk in unity. It's, it's easy for us to do that. But when we don't walk in unity, 
It's because we got some issues here. The body of Christ. Some churches can't walk with other churches with unity. Sometimes you go to a church and they make you feel like you don't belong there, you know? And so what I'm, I'm asking us is simply this, is that if our church is going to walk in unity, then we got to make sure that we stand before God with one heart and one devotion. And we're going to talk about this all this year, how to accomplish that. How are we going to walk in oneness in terms of our strength and, and on, our, on our mind, our body, and our soul? And so this year, church, as we get ready to focus, I, I really just can't wait till next week. We're going to focus on the importance of being one, being one, living as one, the significance of one, the exclusion of one, the loving of one. All of those concepts are laid to bear because I want you to understand is that if we can be, the greatest commandment, what Jesus says, is that if we can be who the greatest commandment wants us to be, then we can do what the, greatest, what the great commission tells us to do. You cannot do what you are not. You must be before you do. And so that's what the great um, commandment is there to tell us. This is who you need to be. I would love for the Lord to look upon Scott Brandon and say, you know what, Scott? You are not far from the kingdom of God because you love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. I would love for that. But I would also love for Christ to walk upon or walk amongst um, us like he did in the church of Revelations, walk amongst us with his candle and say, Harrison Faith is not far from the kingdom of God. Because as a church, they love me with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, and they have love for one another as they love themselves. As the worship team comes back, I want to ask you today, is where you add in your devotion towards God? What things do you need to work on? So it's, it's, it's 11 o'clock. Bless Jesus I plan it to be a little early today because if there's one thing that I want to do is I, I don't want to do is I don't want to cross over into 2024 without a time of prayer. And so we're going to open the altars for a bit. We're going we're gonna to worship and we're going to pray for a little while. And, and here's how we used to do it. When I was growing up in my grandpa's church, there's about 50 people there. And we only had about 15 square inches at the altar, so we all couldn't come to the front. So we all turned around in our pews, and we sought God. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what your prayer life has been like. Um, maybe, maybe this year is something that you need to really tackle. But I will say this, is that it doesn't matter unless you pray. It doesn't matter because prayer is the aligning of all those things that are multifaceted and undivided, and it, it creates a submission back to God that says, Lord, here are my things. Here's my stuff, and I need you to align me with you. And so this morning, I just want to ask a couple questions, and now I'm going to pray because, because your pastor needs prayer too. I, and here's what I'm going to pray about for, for myself. I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, search the dark corners of Scott Brandon's heart. Find my secrets, Lord. And anything that's not devoted to you, expose it. Expose it. I want to walk. I want to walk in oneness with you. I want to walk fully devoted to you. But also, Lord, I'm asking you to, to help me love my neighbors. Help me love my church. 
I don't have what it takes to love you guys. I don't have what it takes to lead you guys. That's not in Scott Brandon at all. And so I'm leaning into the Lord to show me and to teach me. But that comes through prayer. If I'm not praying, I'm failing, guaranteed. But it's the same with our life. My marriage fails. My family fails. And so what things in your life have not been submitted to God? What things have you submitted and you brought back and you, and you submit again? And, and then and I want to ask you today, uh, personally, is, is what things in your life, body, mind, soul, heart, and strength, right? What, what, what things are not submitted to God? Is your heart is your heart submitted? Is it, is it, is it unified? Do you love God or are, are you loving other things too? Is your, is your strength, your flesh, right, what you accomplish is your might? Are you doing things for God? Or are you just showing up, sitting on the pew? What are you doing? Are you, are you actually giving? Is your mind set on him? Do you think on God? Are there some things in 2024 that need to go away? I appreciate Zach not too long ago. He went on a media fast. Where you at, Zach? You're here somewhere back there. And he said, what you say, like no social media for like a year or something like that? You know, so that's, that's something that probably some of us need to do. Is to say, you know what? Those are worthless things for not all of us, but, but for a lot of us. Those are worthless things. Lord, let me find life in your ways. So what things need to go away? What things need to turn your devotion back on? And I'm not here to cast rules. I'm just saying, what is it in your life that's not lining up? Because the Lord does not want to lead us into a place. He doesn't want to take us into a land. He doesn't want to bless us. If our heart is not ready, because to bring us into the promised land and not have a ready heart is to expose us to gods that we can't escape. We got to be careful as we walk into 2024 that our heart is right and that our minds are right, right, and our devotion is straight. So this morning, as I pray, you can stand, you can you can turn right your seat, whatever you want to do. Um, Cody, you guys can do whatever you want to do, worshiping, and uh, we're just going to pray, and we're going to pray for about 15 minutes. So don't feel like we're going to say, "Amen, be done." I need you to seek God, like it matters. Would you pray with me?